Welcome to Brains, a podcast exploring the inner workings of our brains, mental health, and disabilities, and how film and television portray them. Hosted by me, writer-director Heather Taylor. And by me, film and television editor Sarah Taylor. Before we begin, we want to acknowledge the lands from which we recorded this podcast, and from where you are listening, are part of territories that have long served as gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples. And we are thankful, as guests on this land, to be able to live, work, and gather here together. We continue to learn about the history that came before us and encourage you to do the same. In our second spooky episode for the month of October, we're talking all about ghosts with the spooktacular host of Geist, Danielle Matar. We discussed why we, as a society, have such a fascination with ghost stories, the paranormal, and what happens to us after we die. We also look at the impact on our brains when we experience these types of unexplained experiences and how to avoid trauma after facing something you think is supernatural. A quick reminder to our listeners that this interview should not be taken as medical or ghost advice, and it is for informational purposes only. Because everyone's brain or ghost is different, please consult your healthcare professional or ghost professional if you have any questions. A content warning for our listeners on this episode, we talk about ghosts, death, and demon possession. And now, Danielle. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us on Brains. Brains. Thank you. I've been a longtime listener, first time, first time meter, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> of Geist, <laughs> uh, Danielle's podcast. And oh my gosh, the scares that I've experienced listening to this podcast. So I highly recommend it. Thank you so much. Wear your noise canceling uh, headphones and listen to it in the dark. Actually, don't do that. <laughs> it's very scary. <laughs> no, you should do that. That's a fantastic suggestion. That's how I listen to them, at least. Or listen to them when it's talking about walking outside and passing scary houses while well, you're actually walking outside passing scary houses. That's also a good. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a friend, actually, that uh, listens to our podcast, and he lives out in the country. And he's a tech, so he's on set quite late. And um, he says that he will drive home into the middle of the country, passing by, like, all these old homes and in the middle of the dark, not a lot of streetlights, and he'll listen to the podcast. And I would like, that's probably the most perfect scenario. I recall one episode where the person is driving in their car past a scary church. Like, oh my Yes. God. Yes. <laughs> and they bring something um, home with them. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. My guest actually sent me a picture of the church after. That's something that I really hate. I, I, I honestly, like, I, I like to kind of stay in the safety of my own imagination, but sometimes my guests will be like, and this is what it looks like. And <laughs> I'll look at these pictures and it's just so much more thrilling. Even if it's like a sunny day, um, she sent me a picture of the church and I was like, ugh. it was demolished, mind you, but it was, I was just like, ugh, I don't know. It's a little too far for me. <laughs> well, before we fall down this rabbit hole, because it's so exciting, uh, just tell everybody about you. Who are you? What, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> My name is Danielle. Uh, I actually am a photographer and a director by trade. I am a avid podcast listener and, um, I really like ghosts. <laughs> I'm a really big, <laughs> I'm a really big paranormal fan. I like anything unusual and strange. During the beginning of the pandemic, I think I'm a, I'm a natural introvert, so I always got a lot of like private projects floating around in my brain. And when I was first introduced to podcasting, there wasn't a lot of like really good haunted ones, where there were a lot of really good stories. I have since found so many more, but I was like, 
really interested in finding paranormal podcasts and nothing was really feeding me the way that I wanted it to. And so when the pandemic hit, as you both know, being creatives, (laughs) we're like, what do we do now? (laughs) So (laughs) randomly said, I'm going to start a podcast, which I think a lot of people did. Yes. It was everyone's go-to, buying toilet paper and starting podcasts. Uh, 1.2 million podcasts started during 2020, FYI. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah. Last year, 150,000. So just like think Holy. about the difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are they still going? Um, I bet lots of them aren't. Probably not. But no. I have not done that investigation. I'm sorry. I just know <laughs> well, the, I know I, the numbers. <laughs> Next episode. <laughs> Well, I know Q-Code did a lot. A lot of stars came out to do stuff, and they're brilliant. But um, I have no experience in recording at all. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. And one of my best friends, he had to fly back to Vancouver during the pandemic. And we were working on a creative project together before he left. And I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. And he's like, what's a podcast? And (laughs) I was like, well, this is a podcast. You should listen to them. I'm not sure if he has to this day. This is my partner, Bo. And um, he was like, yeah, anything. He is such a talented soundscape music artist that it just seemed like a good fit. And I feel really terrible for him. I'm sure I put him through a lot of stress within the first year, (laughs) not knowing what I was doing recording and him getting these janky files and then like trying to figure out what I've been doing. So um, that's how Geist was born. And I am so happy that it was. I I love it. It's like my baby. Um, I often fight with my actual job to make time for Geist because... I just, you know, Halloween's a big time for us, but I didn't really go into it, you know, expecting anything huge, but it took off and it was super cool. So let's like talk a little bit about what made you so interested in telling and sharing people's real life stories, the paranormal, because you you made this podcast, but why did you get so excited about telling these stories in the first place? You know, I was thinking about this. I don't know. I don't know what has drawn me to being so obsessed with ghost stories. It literally probably started when I was a kid. I was obsessed with the tale of the headless horseman. Like I was just like, this is so fascinating. And I think just like spookiness and Halloween. I get warm and fuzzies for Halloween like people do for Christmas. You know, like I, yeah, (laughs) when Halloween comes around and fall comes around, I get so excited. I try and dress my house as gothic as my husband will allow me to. So I have this thirst for stories. I love storytelling. I love stories in general. And the thing is too, is because I guess I'm not, maybe I'm not spooky looking. So a lot of people are kind of like, if I tell them what I'm interested in or what I do, they kind of perk up because they're like, oh, you're kind of like normal looking. So, you know, <laughs> I can open up to you about my paranormal experience. And it's f- incredible to see how many people have actually experienced something. I always say that there's people that are experience something and then there's people that are looking to experience mm. something. So those are how I kind of decipher stories. So a lot of times people will be looking for a haunted experience. So their stories can probably anchor in a particular direction. And then there's people that have genuinely experienced something that they really can't make heads or tails of. And then they're in a different realm as well. I believe both of them. But um, these stories are so fascinating to me. And I just, I can't get enough of them. Not all ghost stories are scary. You know, some Mm -hmm. of them are endearing and beautiful. 
Well, let's talk about a film or TV show that you think best captures the feel of the paranormal experience or encounter from the stories that you've heard. If we were to look at like some classic movies like Poltergeist or the Amityville Horror, any one of the Conjurings or basically anything that Ed and Lorraine Warren investigated, you know, those are all based on true stories. So I know that most of the time things are elaborate. And again, people thought that they were hoaxes, you know, Mm -hmm. but I, I just don't, I, I don't know what kind of world we live in, but there are people that are just going to blatantly make up a, a, a ghost story that is so astronomical that, you know, people, of course, are going to think that they're faking it. But, you know, there are true accounts from the Annabelle Horror, from The Conjuring, uh, from Haunting in Connecticut. Uh, Annabelle, you know, like Anna and Lorraine Warren had their museum of haunted items in their house with their daughter. And like, you know, <laughs> they took the Annabelle doll out of the house and they brought it to their home and they locked it up in a case and was like, do not open for any reason. Like, and I think there's been a lot of other ghost shows since uh, Lorraine had passed. I think that doll has made a couple of tours, but that's <laughs> real. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people really believe that. So, I mean, there's things like that hap- that have happened, but paranormal activity, even though it's not necessarily like the, the craziest ghost movie ever, those instances that happen in in paranormal activity are really very much along the lines of like what I hear, you know, when people are like, woke up in the middle of the night because, you know, doors are slamming or things are flying across the room or, you know, things have gone missing. I heard a story once about someone waking up uh, covered in blood. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it was funny because it was actually this girl that I knew. um, And I, I was little when I heard this story and I was at their house and it was their mother that was telling my mother and we overheard. And so, you know, so maybe Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not 100%, but like I literally hear things from poltergeist activity to demonic activity. So when you look at things like The Conjuring or like the haunting in Enfield, the haunting in Enfield was like crazy because I know I had seen the interviews, the real life interviews and photographs prior to watching it and they all thought she was faking it too you know but this little girl is like throwing her voice into a ma- old man's voice and and the things that would happen in that house those are really i think specifically some of the ones that i can pinpoint even though they're on a theatrical level for production reasons and also to the conjuring actually all three of them the first one i believe was the family that was haunted where they moved into this house and their mother's experiencing things and then their mother becomes uh, possessed again based on a true story the second one which was having to do with at Enfield again based on a true story and I think the third one as well the devil made me do it was based on a kid that became possessed by the devil after playing with these games and I've heard stories through the grapevine about people being possessed as well. It's a really difficult route to take when you listen to those types of stories. Mm -hmm. And we did an episode actually called The Talking Board. And I really don't think I will ever do anything like that again. It is a really, I'm pretty open. I don't like to say, you know, I'm sensitive or like or anything like that. Like I'm just open to experiences. And I don't think that I would ever investigate too far into like demonic possessions because I think it's a really it's a really scary platform 
and yeah. weird things happened while we did that episode. So I've heard of people like, you know, their their cousin in the back in their home country had like, you know, become possessed. I'm Middle Eastern, so we I hear a lot of stories from our country and it's really terrifying. So I don't really kind of dip into that. I think that every single horror film out there has some sort of premise on a true story or a true experience. I think that every single show is relatable in that regard. And like, even with Shirley Jackson's novel, The Haunting of Hill House, that was actually kind of a concept of what actually haunts you, you know, it could mm-hmm. be family, it could be whatever. Yes. So they turned it into like, you know, a very spooky film. And then when they did the series, that was probably the best rendition of that book that I saw. Yeah. And again, like I will watch that and, you know, people will, you know, the knocking on the walls and things like that, that is completely relatable. People have completely had accounts where they'll be sitting somewhere and they'll hear knocking on the wall. They're knocking at a door. And I don't know if you guys watch haunted TikTok at all, but that no, is- I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad for me in my nighttime scrolling. When you don't have new episodes out, I'm going to start looking at Haunted TikTok. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> Some of it's really strange. <laughs> but a lot of the times it'll be people sitting in their living room and like, you know, it is for views, but like so are movies and so are shows. Yeah. So you got to take yeah. it for what they are. And People will be sitting there and like doors will fly open or like they'll be like, hey, this is going on for hours, guys. And someone's knocking at their door and then they fling the door open and there's nobody there. So I guess it's if you choose to believe or not. Yeah. And you can yeah. perceive it however you'd like. So why do you think that we have as a society such a fascination with ghost stories? Because it's not just in our television. As we said, it's TV, it's film, it's books, it's t- t- haunted TikTok. It's stories that we just tell each other from like, oh, my auntie did this or my whatever, you know, we hear it everywhere. I think that we live in a really broadcasted society. Um, We live in a place where there isn't a lot of mystery anymore. There isn't a lot of, you know, even like what we ate for lunch isn't a mystery half of the time. And there has been a rise, I've noticed lately, in the interest of the paranormal and ghosts. And I think that you know, a lot of people that I wouldn't have suspected to have watched The Haunting of Hill House watched The Haunting of Hill House. And I think that it did really enlighten a lot of people to start looking into the paranormal more. It'll either be them being obsessed with the unknown, that it's almost refreshing, or sometimes it's the thrill of being scared. I love going into haunted locations. It's funny, actually, I was just playing with my nieces and nephews and they were they had some VR game on and they're like, oh, you're going to get scared. You're going to get scared. And they had the VR on and things are coming at me, but I'm not reacting. And there's, it was really fascinating to them because they're like, why aren't you reacting to like these scary things that are happening? I just think that the mystery of everything and the unknown is a really incredible avenue to go down. And I think it sparks either fear or interest. Yeah. Do you think there has it's something to do too with like, we just don't know what's next? Like the idea that when we die, we don't know what happens. And this idea that like, could we say goodbye? Can we stay around? Like what's the afterlife? What is next? Do you think that comes into play too? Of course it does. There's so many different opinions on what happens to us after we die. You know, a lot of people think that, we go on to a big fluffy cloud in the sky and we just high five God. And, or some people think that, you know, we, 
stay on this earth. We don't have resolved issues. And some people think that we just dissipate into energy. We become stars, you know. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know why everyone is so obsessed with what happens after we die. <laughs> because, <laughs> because like what matters is now, and I hate to sound like a Hallmark card, but it's just right now is, is what's most important. So that could absolutely be just part of the human process of like wanting to know, needing to know, trying to decipher why things happen and always needing a reason for life, which is unfortunate. But I mean, I don't know if I've actually sat and pondered what happens to me after I die. I'm, I don't think I've seriously sat down and thought about it. Even listening to ghost stories, I was just like, all right, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Maybe you'll be on somebody else's podcast as the entity that's yeah. <laughs> knocking on the door. Yeah. You're like, hello, I'm here. I would seriously love to haunt someone. I know that that's terrible. <laughs> I've always been obsessed with paranormal and not just from our mom watching all the ghost shows ever made, which I felt like was a lot about resolution, right? Like that idea that we need to resolve this ghost so that they can go on to whatever's next. Either you have like, it's scary and everything's scary and we just need them to go away. Or it's like the ghost whisperer. And, or like touched by an angel. Yeah. Or hold their hand and help them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> go to the light. Right. But it's just interesting because, yeah, there's so many theories. There's this theor the theories of that idea of resolution or the idea of like a traumatic event happened and now we just have this like rip in time that just repeats itself over and over again, but it's not actually anything there. And then there's theories where, you know, it says it's in your head, this idea that experiencing paranormal activity is linked to like different cognitive traits and that yeah. some people will have more paranormal activities because they're kind of more open to seeing them. Or maybe it's just your brain's hemispheres talking to each other and creating noise and then you see something. So yeah. what's the impact on our brain in these types of experiences? Processing reality versus having abilities. I think mm. naturally as humans, all we want to do is compartmentalize what's going on. You know, that's how we keep ourselves safe. So when we attribute reasons for things happening, it just is, it's comforting to us. I think it's hard for people without abilities to understand what it's like to have them. Mm -hmm. And we all process reality differently. I think it's what we decide to recognize. So if you have anxiety as a person, you experience life differently. Mm -hmm. And we don't deny that anxiety doesn't exist and we label it. So it's like, okay, I process this this way because I have anxiety. But we don't identify people that have abilities to have abilities. You know, we're not like, oh, well, this person experiences this because they're clairvoyant. Let's go get a sandwich. You know, it's it's more so like <laughs> this person says they're clairvoyant and I'm scared about that because that's unknown to me and weird. Yeah. So I'm going to push it away by saying that it's fake because I'm scared. Or some people will embrace it and be like, oh my God, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And then I think that because as a society, we don't recognize abilities as a gift or experiences as being open, mm -hmm. as like a scientific fact, I suppose, or something that's labeled, you know, I think it just leaves us to come up with our own conclusions. And at that mm -hmm. point, everyone's like, well, you're either faking it or you're not. You know, if someone says I'm diagnosed with anxiety, we don't question it. If you say I'm diagnosed with being a clairvoyant, people are like, cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> Maybe you should go talk to someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're you're sick in the head if you have <laughs> abilities. Yeah. It's too deep. And there's too many realms of our brain. 
And I know that obviously, you know, neuroscientists are going to know a lot more than me, but I just think that there's no real way that we can ever tell what our brain is ever doing or what it's capable of doing. We use such a small percentage of it. All of us use different areas of it. So, and I mean, like as a supporter of people that are sensitive, I have yet to have ever sat down with anyone that's ever wowed me. <laughs> and said all these things about me that they know. And usually like whenever I sit down with a psychic, they get it super duper wrong. But um, I've never had a successful psychic situation. But that's kind of a little different though too than like being sensitive to things in the space that you're in. Exactly, yeah. I agree. Like we don't, we use so little of our brain. Feels like a different thing than I can like look into you and figure out your future and everything that has to do with you, even though they are often put in the same box. There is this overlap in the ghost realm or whatever, where like clairvoyance can talk to the spirits that are connected to you. There's like all this overlap and converging of that stuff. Well, yeah, like some people will say that they're a psychic medium, so they can speak to spirits and kind of, I guess, see into the future. And I think there's also like a ton of hybrid sensitive people out there. So, you know, I feel there's a lot of people that can do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would never claim to be sensitive. I've never claimed to be a clairvoyant, but I've been in some predicaments where I'm kind of like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen or I don't know why this is happening. <laughs> or like being in a situation where I just start telling somebody something that I don't know anything about. And it's almost compulsive. Like I can't really stop it. And then I kind of stop and I'm like, why did I say that? And they're just like, how did you know that? And I'm like, I don't know. No point am I going to like keep having people line up so I could sit and say that like someone's talking to me and I can <laughs> talk to someone in a crowd and be like, this is your uncle. Like, yeah. But I, I just know how I operate and I wouldn't sit there and be like, yes, I can, I can speak to people. But like, because I've maintained an open perspective, I can go into a place and sometimes, you know, some random dude will show up and he'll be there. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll be like, did you know you have a random dude living in your house? And yeah. And people are like, you can, s I don't see them. I don't see ghosts. I just pick up vibes. And I think if you're open, you can pick up a vibe with a room full of living people. You know yeah. what I mean? So if you're just like open to that kind of stuff, think you can just read a room. Anxiety too. Like I have anxiety as well. And so I'm like, I pick up vibes all the time, but I feel like it's just my anxiety. <laughs> like who else is anxious in the room? What's going to happen? <laughs> I think that you're more sensitive when you have suffer from anxiety. You're reading the room. That is how you're, that's how you're built. You know what yeah. I mean? You're built to, how do I keep myself within my safe space? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing? And what are you doing? And what are you doing? And because you have to be on that realm of reading vibes, somebody might pop in that's not necessarily in that room physically as a, like a solid being or mm -hmm. alive. Mm -hmm. They might alive. be dead. <laughs> yes. Well, we've had weird things. Like I remember one time we decided to play with a Ouija board at my aunt's house in the basement, which we never did ever again. And that was we one were, time. That's so one brave. Time, and we were doing it on one side of the room. And my little brother who was, how old is he? Three at the Three. time? Yeah. He was across the room playing. And then as the Ouija board was answering, he would yell out the answers from across the room. And we never said anything out loud. So we were like, so okay, we're good. We're done now. Like, this is good. Yeah. But it's we those. Were, <laughs> we were like, no, no, no more. And like no, our no mom more. never let us bring a Ouija board into the house. That was like yeah. a no go. <laughs> and when they found out we were in the basement doing that, like we were not 
in a good space. <laughs> in trouble. We got in trouble. That is, in trouble. That's a really cool story. Yeah. But I, I forgot about just, that yeah. part. That's oh, I still gives that me was, the heebie-jeebies. That was the part that was you were like, okay, cool. This is doing. We're like, oh, are we doing? Who's touch? Who's moving? Like you know, you kind of a collective movement. But it was the yelling of the answers across the room that was like okay, I think we should not do this anymore. I think we're done. One of my guests that was on my show prior to her being on my show, I had been on a ghost walk with her. The Haunted Walk of Toronto offers these amazing walks and one was the Winter Garden Theater and the other is my favorite ghost walk in Toronto is the Walk of Pioneer Village. It is very scary. It is legit. It's not a joke. But anyways, when we were at the Winter Garden, they brought out a, a Ouija board. And I was like, no, no, thank you. I'm not <laughs> going to be in the room for this. Sorry. Like, I, I don't like it. And they were just like, no, it's not always negative. You know, they, they have such a negative inclination to it. And it can be awesome. And this person is amazing and like an incredible storyteller. But that was the only doubt that I had at that moment. I was like, you do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, I am sorry. Like, it's not positive. <laughs> I have, yeah, sure, it can be positive for sure. But I have heard and seen so many weird things happen with Ouija boards that I am not one to be open to them. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not open. Don't mess <laughs> around with it. <laughs> I just don't want it. I I won't be in the room with one. I don't like them. But I think it's so fascinating because when you start to talk about experiences you've had, or you know, we've had various experiences on our house that we know people had died in. And it wasn't that we thought, oh, someone died here, so we're going to expect it. It's just things that were weird that at the time were like, oh, yeah, the lights flickered and it got cold. And then someone said my name. I'm like, well, that to me, I'm going to just turn off the lights, go to bed now. Like, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> like, it's time to exit the space. You guys are brave. Well, Sarah has one. Yeah, I have one where Heather and I shared the basement but it was not like a finished basement. So there was like cement floor and we literally had sheets hanging up to divide our bedrooms. So like, this is just an open basement cement floors. And so I'm in my bed, it's nighttime. And Heather was probably old enough to be going out late at night, laying in bed. And then I hear the sound of bare feet on the cement. Like it's a very specific sound. And I like Heather and then she didn't respond. And I was like, okay, whatever. I woke up in the morning and she was not in her bed. She did not come home that night. I was like, Oh my God. And we would always have to like run up those stairs as fast as we could. It was just, and still to this day, I go to my mom's house and I'm like, run up the basement stairs as fast as I can. (laughs) That is so funny. That is a common thing that a lot of people tell me is stairs, like going upstairs. And I mean, there is a whole you know, paranormal relation to stairs as it can be a division between two worlds or staircases that go into nowhere. Like in the Winchester house, they have staircases that go into nowhere and they they say that Sarah Winchester had built them for that reason in order for the ghosts to come in and out of this world. I know a lot of haunted history. I This is amazing. <laughs> no, I love it. I've been want- I want to go to the Winchester house. I think it'd be so cool to check it out. Oh anyway. my goodness. I haven't been there, but yeah. I feel like we'd have a lot to talk about for a very long time. I want to tell one more though. Yes, please. Okay. So Sarah, I wasn't living at home at the time and our cat had gone missing. His name is Murphy. And so one night um, we were, and they didn't know where he was and it was like really sad. And just as she was about to go to sleep, she felt a pressure at the end of the bed. Like the cat had gone to sit on the end of her bed. And then she realized, oh, the cat's not here. And as she had that thought in her head, she heard a male voice 
from the end of her bed that was something like he's safe or he's or home or made some comment. I can't, you might remind me of the comment. And then you like turn the lights and you're like, I'm not sleeping for the rest of the night. And then he shortly came home. Yeah, he, he came home not long after. Who is this male voice though, do you think? Who do you think it was? Well, we know who died in the house. Larry died and my mom would always want to do renovations and they'd never work. So she started asking Larry permission to like fix a light or change whatever. And if she asked permission, then it would work. So to, to this day, like just the other day I was yeah. over there and she's like, so... Your mom still lives there? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. She's like, I still always... I'm just to- I asked Larry. I said, hey, Larry, I got to do this. And then she's like, yeah, it worked great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the best house ever. Yeah, there's like lots of stories about lights being on when no one was there. Yeah, my best friend lived down the street and back up a bit. This It was a duplex that my mom bought. It was like about to foreclose. It was really shitty. It hadn't been cleared, for, cleaned, I feel like, for like 30 years. It was just disgusting in there. I remember going in as like a very anxious teenager. Why are we living in this house? This sucks. I hate it. Anyway, walking past one day and it's like one of those big giant picture window in the living room. There was a ladder because they were working in it. And they had put like a light, you know, those like worker lights was like hung on the ladder. So I walked past and the light was on. So I'm like, oh, I guess they must still be there. And our actual place we were currently lived was across the street. So I'm like, walk back home, like a three minute walk. And everybody was at home and nobody was at the place. And I was like, but I swear to God. And so like, I just, it always, there was always this weird, awkward presence there. You know, there's a, a poltergeist theory that a lot of times poltergeist activity and ghost activity will happen when there is teenage angst in the house. So it really does feed, yeah. It's my fault. It is all my fault. It's, your, it's all your fault, for sure. It wasn't the Ouija board or Larry. It was all it's your just fault. me. And then my brother and then my sister, like everybody's teenage years. Everyone suffered because of it, yeah. And now our mom, my mom has uh, exchange students that come to stay with her, so they're just keeping it going. <laughs> Your mom's like, this is a haunted house and I'm going to subject as many young people to it as possible as I ask Larry to do work on it. <laughs> Makes sense. Oh, Larry. I think I really like your mom. <laughs> oh, she'd probably have stories to tell. She'll have stories. Well, she ha- does have stories, but we won't go into all the stories of our house yeah. because that will be a lot of stories. <laughs> yeah, we want to save it for a Geist episode yeah. too. So we'll, we'll get you it. guys and your mom <laughs> and your poor brother. <laughs> I have a few stories of my own. I think one of them was on Geist. Um, that was the scariest one, I think, is when uh, I was followed home by a ghost that I worked with, apparently. In a factory. (laughs) Full disclosure, once I put that episode out, a couple of people had come forward and been like, that I worked with, and they were like, nah, that was just a joke. Like, it wasn't real. Like, that was just I'm like, no, sorry. Somebody's lying to you. It was very (laughs) real. I've had some very strange things happen when I've been at the old mill. It was an old mill, and it is a... Uh, a place where you can go for brunch. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? It's turned into one of those as things. As you do. <laughs> yeah, as you do. You know, it's a brunch spot. And uh, I didn't know that it was haunted um, when I went and I was uh, actually going to shoot something there. And I went to do like a location scout. And I was standing in one of these rooms, again, unbeknownst to me that anything was going on. And something uh, hit me <laughs> in the face. Yeah, it was kind of strange because there was no one. I was only one other person there and I was talking to them and I don't recall them slapping me. And <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I got this 
noise, this rush in my ear. And you know, sometimes like there's a pressure change and like you get that weird noise mm, in your mm-hmm. ear. That's exactly what I heard, except it was accompanied by like wind, like motion. And uh, my face kind of turned and I reacted as, as if you would if someone were to kind of like deke you out or whatever. And he was like, are you okay? And he's looking at the ceiling because he thought something like hit me. And I was like, no, but I would really like to get out of this room. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and I went downstairs and I was, as you can imagine, after something like that happening, you're just kind of scrambling to understand. Like, and, and you did it in front of someone, so you're so embarrassed. And you're just like, I, I don't know what happened. I think something hit me. It was probably a, maybe it was a bug. I don't know. And the concierge overheard us and he came over and he's like, excuse me, miss, were you up in this top room? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, is there? And he's like, it's haunted. And I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) Is that this ghost's excuse to just hit people? But I was like, do people often get hit there? I don't understand. But he started telling me that what will happen is people will be getting their brunch or there'll be a wedding there or whatever. And And this room had a a balcony window that looked into the main hall. So uh, people would like look up and they said that they would often see a man standing there. And he was apparently quite irritable because he slapped me in the face, but <laughs> he did not like Other whatever than you were saying. <laughs> I was like, I just, sorry, dude, I just want to take pictures here. Another, another time that I had something really creepy happened to me. I like the, all of them are really, really long. So I'm trying to give the shortest ones. There's been so many weird things that have happened in my life. I just don't understand them, but I was on the ghost walk at, um, Black Creek Pioneer Village. And there is one house that's there. I won't say which house because I don't want to ruin it for anyone, or I don't want to ruin it for you guys. And I don't want people to hear this. And then I really want them to have their own experience. But there are two houses in particular that I went into. And the first one, I got overwhelmingly sad when I was in there. And I, you could feel this woman that was in there and she was crying and she was so, so sad. But the one that was most memorable was I went to another house and uh, the person is telling the story of this ghost and the ghost is very angry and As I was standing there, I got this really, really, really crazy vibe from behind me in the room. But then all of a sudden, like there was only, uh, I think about five of us on that tour and everyone started to get really antsy and uncomfortable. And I started to get really angry. And I was like, you know, I understand. And I'm just like whispering to whomever I was with at the time. I've been on it a million times. But <laughs> I've, I was whispering to whomever I was with at the time. I was like, you know, I really think it's really shitty that like this ghost is just being a jerk. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just get over it. Like, you're dead. It sucks. Whatever. Like, being alive also sucks sometimes. So like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and as I was leaving this house... I was walking by this staircase where he's notoriously lingers and I didn't really think very much of it. But as I walked by, I got a rush of a face come out of the dark, out of the corner of my eye. I never really saw it. Like, you you know, when you see things out of the corner of your eye, you Mm -hmm. guys have grown up in a haunted house. You know, it's there. You know that once you turn to look at it, it's not going to be there. And that's exactly what happened. But he rushed me. And I freaked out in front of a whole bunch of strangers. And 
I ran outside and I like stood there. I'm not an angry person. I'm pretty chill. So for me to just be so angry at this house and the guide came out and she's like, are you okay? What happened? And I'm like, I just want to burn that house down. I want to burn it to the ground. I'm like, honestly, I'm like, I might just wait till you guys leave. I just want to burn it down. Like, I think she thought I was insane, but that's exactly what I was feeling. Wow. Maybe that's what he was feeling. It probably was based on his descriptions. I have visited that house many times. Um, I think he remembers who I am because at this point I am mocking him because I go in there and <laughs> his his anger for some reason really bothers me. But I uh, I don't know why. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Yeah. But I keep going back and I think he remembers who I am and he jump scares me every time I go. That's hilarious. And then I'm like, you can't follow me home though. We don't do that. I had the face thing happen to me once, actually, not in our house, but I was in a British pub and I was sitting at a table and someone went to get the drink and I saw a face and I saw it just rush up the stairs. And I was like, hmm, that tracks, actually. That tracks. Because it's so England. old. Yeah. Yeah. England yeah. is probably one of the coolest places you can go to see ghosts. Also, Savannah, Georgia. Ooh. Savannah, Georgia has a house called the Sorrel Weed House and it is very haunted. Mm. It's very creepy. Um, your story of feeling the really the sadness. I remember going to Alcatraz and walking into one of the cells. It wasn't even a cell. It was like an open shower space, and I was just like, <gasps> like it just the I had to leave immediately because I felt so just overcome with sadness and mm-hmm. anxiety and just it was. I'm like awful things happened in this room. I cannot be in here. And then I like I that's the whole thing too is that. I don't discount I, – I know that if someone tells you that a house is haunted and you go in, I think that there are people that experience stuff and then there's people that want to experience mm-hmm. stuff. So some people will go in there looking, you know, every noise. Like, what was that? What was that? Oh, my God, it's a ghost. And yeah. It's not necessarily like you hype yourself up. And then there's people that can genuinely go into Alcatraz and just be like, wow, I can really pick up on this energy. And I think that if you're looking to experience a ghost, you have a preconceived notion as to what that would be, you know, because we all watch movies and we think that there's going to be somebody floating across the room with a sheet over their head or something like that. And I think that when people tell those kinds of stories and they convince themselves, they're like, I saw somebody standing in the corner, but that, that stuff like really happens. I think that environments obviously influence how we experience them, especially if they have stories. So I think that's part of the reason why it's so hard to convince people whether or not you've experienced something. I just believe everybody. For you though, what would you want more of when we do these you know, when we write film and television, we always talk about like, how do we want to create a better experience of what these things could look like for people? Are these things that we're missing? Is it just because it's all so exaggerated sometimes or? Or maybe we're doing it great. Maybe we're doing the right thing. I have no complaints, guys. I think y'all are doing a bang up job (laughs) to the point where I'm creating a podcast about it. No, for sure. I like, I mean, I think that the things that are, that are the most successful is when there's relatable moments. Um, I think that they do need the scare factor. Otherwise you get the trolls that are like, that was scary. And so that's what they sound like too. (laughs) They do. They're like, that wasn't even scary. But (laughs) like the woman in black, I don't know if you guys have seen that with that. Oh my gosh. Harry Potter. What is his name? Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Sorry. That was scary. Like there were moments in there where it was scary and it was the, the color. It was, they drew you into the experience without these major 
catastrophic moments of blood and gore and like, you know, someone that's soul being sucked out of their eyeballs, you know, like it was really bringing you cinematically into the experience. And I think that that is the most successful sort of film is when you take the person that's watching it and you can draw them in. And that's why I thought, even though I thought that paranormal activity, and I say this with all kindness, was kind of like a lame example. It's not because like, it's so creepy. Like it's got the whole Blair Witch vibe, right? Like, yeah. is it real? You don't know. Ah, just, just join us next week. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, But I also think things like a ghost story, which is where the perspective of someone who's left and just waiting and left behind. And I've also heard that too, like stories of like this, it's about like the endless just nothing and the waiting and the seeing the passage of time and you can't leave and it's like so reminiscent of other things in our lives as humans, but, you know, putting in that experience of like, what could it be like if this was actually just eternity? Well, I did an episode with uh, Candace Hudgings, who is the edgy veg, and she lived in a home where uh, she felt that there was a female energy. And I actually wrote a little blurb about this woman. I don't know who she is, but I wrote an intro about her that was precisely that, you know, it's just like I woke up one morning and everything had changed. You know, there's people that have cycled through my house for years and years and years when I'm still here. And I really do feel that, you know, at the end of our days, we're still human and we still possess those feelings and emotions. And some people get stuck as they do in life, you know. And so I'm assuming that some ghosts get stuck. They don't understand what's happened, you know, they don't get why they haven't moved on or they don't want to move on or they just don't under, like they just can't, you know, fathom it. Just like with everyday life, especially if you suffer from like anxiety or anything like that, you're just like, I don't understand anything. Right. And you're still stuck in that realm constantly. Yeah. So what should you do if you encounter what you, you know, have an experience, let's say. Where a ghost needs help. Or just you as a human, what, how do you, how would you suggest or how do you listen to your guests tell their stories to have not be like traumatized by it or have it like, you know, totally take over their life? Actually, most of my guests so far have really, I guess my pitch to them when they tell these stories, a lot of people are quite apprehensive. They think that they're going to look strange or weird, but I really like to remind them that they're really helping people. You know, they, their stories help people um, who have been through the same things. Mm. So, you know, they're not only, it's, it's almost closure for them. It's closure for them to tell their story, have somebody validated by being interested and knowing that whomever listens to it is not going to be judgmental. There's a lot of closure there. So they may have had a horrifying experience, which a lot of them have, <laughs> but uh, for them to tell those stories, be believed and have it almost shelved is a really nice resolution for them to kind of move on and and understand their own experience, perhaps. Yeah. So go listen to Geist. If you're having paranormal trauma, we're here for you. <laughs> what resources do you recommend for our listeners to gauge with, other than Geist, of course, if they want to know more about ghosts and the paranormal? I'm not sure what you could do or if there is an accurate resource to go to, to get the answers that you need. So mm -hmm. I think listening to ghost stories. Oh, did I just pitch my own show? <laughs> so <I think> listening... <laughs> this is your time. This is your time. Listen, guys, we are the resource of all, 
all paranormal situations. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like listening to ghost stories, I think, I, you know what, that actually circles back to the original question that you asked as to why people are so fascinated with ghost stories. When you have a paranormal uh, situation and you don't know what to do, hearing other people's stories can really kind of help you understand what's happening and there's that relatability. I wish that there was one primary place that you could go to, like Google. Actually, I guess you could Google what to do if your house is haunted, but <laughs> I'm sure it'll come. A lot of uh, investigators, I'm sure, will pop up there. But if you have a haunting going on in your house and there's a lot of activity, a lot of people will reach out to paranormal investigators. So I think that if you're going to do that, I would have a conversation with them at first. I think that anyone that is quite dismissive of natural occurrences uh, kind of make me upset. Like the whole orb theory, a lot of people are like, they're not orbs, it's just dust. And it's like, I work in film and I work in capture and I know what a dust particle looks like. So sometimes it's not and that's my professional opinion. <laughs> um, so, you know, have a good a conversation with them beforehand. And then if you need to come in and have investigations done, you can. If you talk about your experience, someone has a friend of a friend that can talk to ghosts. Like, yeah, I don't, totally. That's, that's been a common occurrence lately. Oh, yeah, my aunt's sister's nephew, he can talk to, to spirits. So <laughs> He'll come to your house and clean it. Yeah. He'll come to your house and he'll clean it. I don't suggest, however, trying to do it yourself. Um, there are a lot of indigenous practices that people have tried to put into their own life. And unless you're taught how to do that, uh, you're not doing it right. <laughs> the end. Um, a lot of people will sage their homes without understanding what that is. Um, I had the pleasure of an elder showing me how to do that and like what was going on and, and explaining it. And I still wouldn't confidently go into someone's home and be like, I know how to do this. Like it's, it's, it's the same as using a Ouija board. You know what I mean? There's different practices as well, where you salt the earth, you can put a circle around your house. Don't touch your mom this. He's going to piss Larry off. But <laughs> Uh, she she probably she's probably tried some stuff and I'm always like you can't do that mom that's not allowed. She has sigils on all the windows. You can do olive oil. Yeah, you can bury uh the archangel Michael, I believe. Um Michael medallions on in the corners of your home. I've seen people do that. But I don't know like <laughs> the one eight hundred got ghost. I know. I wish that that exact <laughs> that, that existed. Maybe this is your your next career move is uh, starting one eight hundred got ghost. <laughs> the the real life Ghostbusters. Why I stumble through explaining yeah. to them what they should be doing. You can try well, this. Or you can try this. I love it. There's lots of things you can do. Some that are found at your local grocery store. You're like, good luck. Bye. <laughs> See ya. I love it. So love it. hope it works out. <laughs> well, how can people? find you this is the one more time to pitch your podcast tell us where we can find you online if people have any stories they want to share with you if people have stories they can send it to hello.geist.podcast at gmail.com uh, they can reach out to us through instagram or, or tiktok we are on all platforms of podcast distribution and if you have any ghost stories please reach out to us don't be scared we've heard everything um, and we are really excited to hear it. Well, thank you for letting us share our stories with you and for sharing your stories with us. I really like them. Yeah. I'm really excited that you guys are excited about 
this having this conversation. I find that whenever you talk with people about the paranormal, if they're into it, the conversations last for so long and it's really cool. I love finding my people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for being here with us. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I love listening to Geist and I love Danielle and I know that Heather has some science-y facts to share with us about ghosts and brains and all this fun stuff. So take it away, Heather. Okay. So there are two camps, cognitive psychology and paranormal psychology that looks at ghosts and ghost experiences. So it's really interesting. I think his name is Michael Van Elk. He's at, um, in the Netherlands. So he's looking at cognitive psychology around this. And he actually thinks that the basis of why people believe and experience the paranormal is because those who believe in the paranormal are more inclined to trust their intuition and emotions Mm. and are less guided by analytical reflection. So basically they could perceive things that are more illusionary agents and like random motion displays and things like that as seeing shapes and objects. And also when doing like the card cognitive game, which is slightly different than like seeing ghosts, of course, this is around like psychic phenomena. This is different. But in like random card guessing games, if they, they'll take more credit for positive outcomes than skeptics will. So they kind of think this idea of actually having these biases towards under thinking that you, the paranormal is real can actually foster good mental health and self-esteem. So even though a lot of times people say the opposite, like, oh my God, it's demons and it's horrible for you to be thinking about, you're thinking about death and all those things. But there's actually more and more things that said that when you have an answer, which we kind of talk about with Danielle, having an answer helps you feel more relief. Totally, so yeah. a belief in ghosts, a belief in the paranormal can help you. I guess that goes like also with like faith. People have religious beliefs mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Exactly. Cool. So what's really cool is that just on the other side of the fence, so this is cognitive psychology, you have another woman named Charlotte Dean, who is a, a researcher of the Department of Psychology at the University of Hartford in the UK. And she just looked at a study looking at 71 studies over the past 30 years to look at you know, things that are similar. And she's like, believers are typically characterized by intuitive thinking style, which is exactly what this other researcher found. And they just kind of come at problems in a different way. So they think of it as cognitive flexibility. And so they're just a little bit more flexible in how they think about problems. And so they kind of agree, this is parapsychologists, agree that some people are more prone to, to paranormal experiences and neurology-related traits, beliefs, and sociocultural environments that kind of help facilitate that experience. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's not just cognitive traits. And so this idea of being like that there is probably partly to the brain and partly to the environment. And this idea that when people are dismissive of this, they're like, well, it's like saying that anyone who says they're sick has hypochondria. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. you're basically saying like, oh, well, everyone has, and like, that's not true. People are, do actually get sick. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the coolest researcher I saw was Christine Simmons-Moore, who is a parapsychologist at the University of West Georgia. And she basically said that a lot of research is looking at the concept of transliminality. It's a thin boundary structure between the conscious, the unconscious, and the environment. And it's a strong predictor of haunting experiences because it enables people to access paranormal experiences. So this idea that we have more communication between the hemispheres of the brain, of which we don't know, as we talked earlier about Mm -hmm. what our brain really does, and there's more potential for crosstalk, and there's more permeability between the areas of the mind and between people and environment and potentially paranormal information. So this idea that there's a reality may both be physical and mental. 
and a third aspect that contributes to both. So this idea that there could be both paranormal and normal going on at the same time. Hmm. And so the reason sometimes it's hard to like track it in a way is because every environment is different. Mm -hmm. Every experience is different. So it's again, it's like just being open to that our brain can do different things that we may not be thinking about and that we have to like examine like, yes, it may in the normal world and the paranormal world, they may seem different, but they actually could be doing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So that's really interesting. So brains are interesting. I just wanted to bring it back to the brains as we told a lot of great ghost stories. Which, you know, I forgot a lot of them. And so it was like, it was kind of fun to like, be like, oh yeah, that did happen. Oh my gosh. What oh, a I thing. had so many other ones from our family. I know. We'll have to save it. Save it. We'll save them. I have to talk about this book that me and my daughter read last night. It's called The Skull Ooh. by John Klassen. It took us on some twisty turns that we did not expect. And we were howling laughing so hard because it was just so outrageous. But the thing that really took me and made me think about brains, which is why I'm telling you about it on brains, was the author had a note at the end of it. Uh-huh. And so this was a folktale that he had read in some random book in a library in Alaska. And he had been thinking about this story for years and years and was like, I should do a version of it. I'm going to. And so he had this memory of what the story was. And then finally, he like looked up the he called the Alaska library to say, what is this book? What is this story? It's called The Skull. They sent it to him. And what he remembered was not what happened in the end. Oh, but he thought that his story of what his brain remembered was better. So he wrote the folktale <laughs> the way he did. And so he says, I like my brain's version better. So this is a very interesting thing that our brains do to stories. If you read this book once and put it back on the shelf, and a, from a year from now, you, someone asks you how the story went, the same thing will happen to your brain. It will change. You will tell them a story that is a little bit different, maybe in a way your brain likes better. I like folktales because that is what is supposed to happen to them. They are supposed to be changed by who is telling them and you never find them the same way twice. Yeah, I love that. And so I was like, that's like the ghost stories that we're telling. It's like all these these tales we tell. It's just like we we interpret in our brain a certain way. And but but yeah, the skull. I don't want to give it away because it was like so. <laughs> like, what is happening? This is amazing. But we laughed and we oh, we just had the best time. So yeah, amazing. Now I really want to read that. Is it for kids or for adults? Yeah, I mean, no, it's a kid. It's like a it's like a little tiny chapter book. Okay, so it's kind of like for. Like elementary it's school. It's for young, yeah, young readers. All right. Young readers, kid, people with young readers, go read The Skull. Yeah. And you know, our local, we bought it at Chapters, but it was a, a staff pick and by this this man named Matt. And then we were, he happened to be the person that was checking us out. And he said, oh, this is a good book. And we're like, oh, great. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> you have to go back and tell Matt. I am going to go back and tell Matt. He was lovely, lovely. And tell, tell Matt that we shouted him out. We're like, Matt, you yeah. pick good books. Yes. Good job, Matt. We, we loved it. Matt in Edmonton. Yeah. Matt with one T in Edmonton. Anyway, well, thank you everyone for joining us on our second episode of Halloween related materials. This is my favorite month. I mean, I love all of our episodes. Like they're my children, but I like <laughs> the October ones even they're more. They're so fun. <laughs> I'm glad we got to do this. Me too. Well, thanks everybody for listening to today's episode of Brains. Brains is hosted and produced by Heather and Sarah Taylor, mixed and mastered by Tony Bao. And our theme song is by our little brother, Depish. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us and tell your friends to tune in. You can reach us on all social platforms at Brains Podcast, spelled B-R-A-A-I-N-S podcast. You can also go to our website, brainspodcast.com, where you can contact us, subscribe, and find out a little more about who we are and what we do. Until next time, I'm your host, Heather. And I'm your host, Sarah. Bye! Bye. Ooh. <laughs>